0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones MBA Show. So if you listen to part one of my NBA mid-season superlatives that was team-focused. Part two, which is this episode, is going to be player-focused. So I'll be handing out a number of superlatives for individual players for this season to this point, as the sample size has gotten a lot bigger as we have reached uh, the midway point in the season. So let's get into it. So now we're going to move to the player superlatives, starting off with the best player. As I preface with the team, uh, best team award, this does not mean that I think they are the best player. They have had the best season to this point, in my opinion, and this is honestly really tough. I know I've been uh, naming about three honorable mentions for each of these. For this one, I I just had to go to five. Um, There's a clear top six, in my opinion, this year. So many guys just having absurd seasons to this point, and there's other guys that I don't even name here that are as deserving to be in an MVP conversation as any player should be. So um, first honorable mention, Nikola Jokic, two-time reigning MVP. He's at 25, 11, and 10, shooting an absurd 62% from the field, uh, got a PER of 32 and the Nuggets are atop the Western Conference right now. So, very impressive year for him. I'd probably be more willing to give him uh, MVP love if he hadn't won the last two. am, i I'll admit, voter fatigue for myself. <laughs> uh, but also, if he's going to win it as a six seed um, with insane stats, if that's what we're calling it, then I'm going to respect other guys lower in the standings with uh, insane stats as well. Uh, but next uh, honorable mention will be Giannis. Efficiency definitely down this year, three-point shooting efficiency down, uh, field goal percentage efficiency down, free throw percentage efficiency down, but he's still averaging 31-12-5, and, and the Bucks look as much of a contender as anyone in the league, um, and in my opinion, Giannis is probably the best player uh, in the league right now. So Then we've got Durant, I touched on him when talking about the Nets already. Uh, But 30 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, shooting an absurd 56% from the field. Predominantly shooting jump shots is just ridiculous. Um, Next we have Jason Tatum on the team with the best record in the NBA. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, 47% from the field, uh, 35% from three. He has uh, been great all year, had a lot of big scoring nights, and his team has been as good as any team. And then lastly, for the honorable mentions, I do want to call out Joel Embiid, who's averaging a ridiculous 33.5 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 53% from the field, which is um, a career high for him, actually, even though he's a big man, but he takes a lot of jump shots. So, um, 34% from three. Um, yeah, I mean, 33.5 points speaks for itself. He's been absurd. Philadelphia's been on a little bit of a tear recently, too. So, But... Um, uh, probably no surprise. The odd man that I have not named is my selection for best player so far. And that'll be Luka Doncic. He's averaging 34.2 points per game, uh, close to nine rebounds, close to nine assists, 50% from the field, uh, which is a career high for him as well. Uh, 35.4% from three, which is by 0.001 or sorry, by one, a, uh, career high from three as well. Um. And, yeah, he's got uh, his lowest turnover uh, per game since his rookie season, his highest steals per game, tied for highest blocks. He's having his best season for sure. Uh, And the Mavs are right up there in contention for a top-four seed. Uh, But Luka is just on another level. He had a a 60-20-10 game uh, in an insane comeback against the Knicks earlier this year. Got 122 offensive rating, which is a career high. 110 defensive rating, which is not phenomenal, but uh, good enough. Uh, leading the league in usage rate. Got the highest offensive box plus minus. He's got a 31.2 PER. 61.5 uh, true shooting percentage. I mean, with, name your stat. He's <laughs> he's up there in in the lead for the entire NBA. And Luca's just been great. And I think we all knew that he was due for uh, MVP type season. He's been the favorite coming into the season. I think the last two years, uh, I don't know if he was this year, but the two years before this, I'm pretty sure he was. Um, and I think I would, uh, he'd be my vote right now, just based on his absurd stats. And the fact that the Mavs have started winning a little bit now, if they fought a six, seven seed, I probably would not give it to him. But, um, if they stay in that top four or five, then I, I think he has a good chance uh, of taking it this year. Up next, we have the best off-season edition. So some of the um, honorable mentions. I'm going to start with Kevin Herter. Probably not something that was on a lot of people's radar coming into the season as a big off-season acquisition, but they really did not have to give up much. I believe it was uh, Justin Holiday. Um, and what was it? Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and a first-round pick. Um, I believe it's a conditional first-round pick. So it's – the Kings are decent. I don't think it's going to be some super early pick. But regardless, Herter has played phenomenal, by far his best season uh, so far in the NBA. Career high in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, uh, points per game, uh, and he's just been a huge – Piece of this team, forty-eight percent from the field. He's up to forty-two percent from three. He started the year near fifty percent for quite a while, actually, and he's up at sixteen points per game. Um, after having, him, he was right about twelve for each of the last three seasons. He's certainly not some uh, defensive stopper by any means, but he's capable on that end. Uh, he's got having the best offensive analytics season he's ever had as well. Sixty-three uh, percent true shooting, one hundred seventeen offensive rating. Um, and, yeah, he's just been such a good fit for Sacramento in years past. They've had a bunch of guards that just can't really shoot. Um, and then he is just completely fit seamlessly next to Fox, um, taking a career high in three-pointers per game at seven, um, which is almost a, a attempt and a half higher than he'd ever had in the past. So he's been phenomenal um, and really just exactly what Sacramento needed. Um, another... Honorable mention would be Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I was very high on him uh, as an addition coming into the year. I've always been a big Brogdon fan. Um, he's super efficient, flirting with 50 40, 90 this year at 48-44-89. and 89. Um, He's the third leading scorer on the Celtics, actually, even though he hasn't started a single game this year and only playing 24 minutes a game. Um, but that just shows how efficient he is. Uh, he's a great passer as well for assists, for rebounds. He's a good defender, and he's just been exactly what Boston's needed, especially uh, coming off the bench as a uh, third guard. And then uh, last honorable mention I will call out is Jalen Brunson, who has been very impressive so far uh, with New York this year. I thought the it was a little bit of an overpay when they signed him initially, but to be honest, in retrospect, that was a little – naive just with the cap that's going up um and that deal is going to look super reasonable in two years and it's a tradable deal too um and he's flirting with all-star territory right now he's at 22 a game six assists three and a half rebounds uh as, he's always been an efficient guy he's 47 from the field 39 percent from three 85 from the free throw line um he's he's not a bad defender um defensive rating 115 isn't great but um his offensive rating is uh 121 which is um, not a career high but the highest since he's been a full-time starter and yeah he's the knicks have been dying for an even competent point guard for years now and they finally got not only a competent one but a very good one at that and then moving into the best offseason acquisition this is uh an acquisition that I was very high on uh, coming into the year, and I was very high on when it happened, and that is Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers. He has been just on another level from any other year of his career. He's at 29.3 points per game. His previous career high was only um, just under 26.5. He's also having the most efficient year of his career, Um, 49% uh, from the field, 40% from three. Um, 88% from the free-throw line. So he's literally career-high in field goal percentage, career-high in three-point percentage, career-high in free-throw percentage, career-high in two-point percentage, career-high in points. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's pretty steady with his assists and rebounds, about five assists, four rebounds. And he finally looks at least a little bit more engaged on the defensive end than we saw over the last few years. He's got his best analytic numbers he's ever had um, in terms of, of ratings and efficiencies. So... Um, and then obviously he's got probably the most memorable game of the year to this point with the 71 point uh, performance he had against the Bulls a few weeks ago. So Mitchell has been everything that the Cavs could have wanted. They've been a top 4 seed in the East really the whole year to this point. Um, and they look like they're they might be a player a year away from true contention but could they beat the Nets in a series? I'd say so. Could they beat the Sixers in a series? I'd say so. Could they beat Boston or Milwaukee? I wouldn't pick it, but would I be totally shocked if they beat one of them? I would say no. But I, uh, again, I, I wouldn't expect them to, but I think that they're right there in that next tier with Philadelphia and Brooklyn for as of right now. And if they can somehow add another wing, um, Uh, next to the two guards and the two bigs, then I think they're going to be really dangerous, and they've got all these guys under team control, so there's really no rush for them to for sure contend right now. Up next, we have the biggest leap from a player, so most improved, if you will. But I don't really like I don't want to just say most improved because these are more guys that are leaping from like pretty good players to all stars, as opposed to like not playing at all till to good players, so. Um, But starting off with Tyrese Halliburton, I've talked a little bit about him on uh, the earlier part of these pods, Um, but he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's only in his third year, so this is maybe natural progression, but he is, (laughs) the leap this year has been more than noticeable. Um, He's been a true floor general over 10 assists per game, leading the NBA 20 points Uh, Almost two steals. He's flirting with 50, 40, 90. He's got the pacers in a place in the standings that I just couldn't have fathomed um, without a leap like this coming from him. Like, he's really the main reason. I know they've had some other guys be better than expected, but he is hes the reason, to be honest with you. He's been so consistent. He's been so efficient. Um, Guys just like playing with him. He just, he's got it. And I think he's going to be an all-star for a really long time. Um, He's even better right now than I probably would have thought, even though I did like him. Um, And I still can't believe that the Phoenix Suns passed on him in the draft. Speaking of players that the Phoenix Suns passed on in the draft, uh, next I'm going to talk about Desmond Bain as an honorable mention. (laughs) Uh, 21 points a game. Um, His volume's up. He's fallen off a little bit since coming back from injury, but earlier in the year he was at 24, 25 points a game. Um, and if he really was going to be at that level, then he's like arguably an all star. Um, but since he's he's cooled down some, um, I still think he's taken a noticeable leap this year. He's career forty three percent from three point range. Like he's kind of headed towards a Clay Thompson type role. I mean, th- there is not a lot of guys with that high of a career uh, three point percentage. Uh, he's right at close to ninety percent from the free throw line, forty four percent from the field. Um, he's developed a lot more in other areas like playmaking and ball handling than I probably ever thought he would have. Um, he's at four assists per game this year, um, which is like more than double where he was as a rookie. I know he's getting more minutes, but still. Uh, rebounding is up as well. Uh, his defense has been better than most people probably would have thought, but I'm a big fan of Bain as well. So, And then lastly, for honorable mentions, we've got Jalen Brunson. I just talked about him, so I'm not going to go too in-depth. He's been Um, better across the board from last season um, with just handling a bigger role for the Knicks than he had with the Mavs. But the player who has taken the biggest leap in my eyes is Shea Gilgis Alexander. He is having an absurd season, 31 points per game, uh, just under six assists, just under five rebounds. He's shooting 50% from the field, still not shooting great from three at 35%, but He's actually taking away less threes this year, which is probably a part of the reason that he's been so good. He was at f- about five per game in the last two years, and he's down to three this year. Um, obviously, his efficiency there isn't phenomenal, but he's taking more two-pointers. He's taking four more two-pointers a game than he was last year and f- six more than he was two years ago. And he's really good there. He's really good at getting downhill and getting to the basket. Um, he's crafty doing that. He's, he's a lot stronger than he looks, uh, despite being a uh, little frail. Um, but he's shooting 91% from the free throw line as well, a steal and a half, over a block. He's just improved every part of his game. His defense has improved. Um, his offensive game is just... He, I think he's just got a better feel for his strengths at this point. He was probably trying to be a, a, more of a shooter than he truly is um, in the, the last few years. But also, he's playing a little bit more. I mean, they shut him down early last year. He only played 35 games the year before that. Um, And then the year before that, he played 70, but he was more of a secondary player um, on that team with Chris Paul. So yeah, he's been great. Uh, Coming into the year, I probably would have said not a top 30 player, um, hovering around the 40 range. But he's been so good that um, he's certainly top 30 at this point. A lot of people are saying he's top 20. And if he continues this, I'm mean, it's gonna be hard to argue that. I think he certainly deserves to be an all star this year. Um, his team's pretty bad though. So I'm not gonna put him in like all NBA type uh situation. Yeah, I know his roster is terrible, so it's not it's definitely not like his fault per se. But um I'd like to see him be in more of a winning situation, um, as one of the league guys. We've seen him in the playoffs before, but that was before he really was who he is now. So um but yeah, SJ has been phenomenal. Um Big props to him. I did not see him taking this big of a leap. Um, I mean, 31 points per game is really hard to do, um, especially at only the age of 24. So props to him. Up next, we have the biggest fall from Grace. Um, Honorable mentions for this one are Rudy Gobert. I know his stats aren't really much worse than they've been in the past, the counting ones, but... You got to remember, we're talking about a three-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Um, this guy was a perennial, like top of the league player, uh, obviously on the defensive end for the most part. But his defense is way down this year too. He's got a career-high in defensive rating; it's way higher than it's ever been. His offensive rating also is the lowest it's been since uh, 2018, which is five years ago. So he has not been the same player, and he's hasn't missed the playoffs since. Uh, uh, He's been a full-time starter. Uh, or, sorry, the second year became a full-time starter. He's never missed the playoffs. Um, and it looks like he probably will this year. So, Next, we got Ben Simmons. Uh, again, a guy that was a three-time All-Star, uh, two-time All-Defense. He made an All-NBA team. Um, <laughs> and he's i mean—he's averaging under eight points per game. What else is there to say? He's a career 15-8-8 eight, eight guy, and he's averaging eight, seven, and six. Um, has not a, made a three-pointer all season. He's shooting 41% from the free throw line, well below his, uh, I mean, he's only 59% for his career, but that's still well below uh, that number. His defense has been not quite as good as it's been in the past, though. It's improved a bit since the beginning of the year. Um, and yeah, he's, I mean, eight points per game speaks for itself. Um, then we've got John Wall former NBA All-Star, um, hasn't really played full-time in a long time, <laughs> uh, but he's on the Clippers now, and he's been kind of unplayable, but Ty Lue's still giving him minutes, kind of like one of those Kemba Walker situations front with the Knicks where he's getting the minutes but probably shouldn't be getting them. Um, he's under 41% from the field, under 30% from three, Um He's awful on defense, even worse on offense. He's, they've got too much talent on that team to really be playing him at all. Um, and if you watch the games, he's just he shouldn't be in the rotation, and he is. So. But for the biggest fall from Grace, it's going to be Chris Paul, unlike um, the other guys I mentioned, um, aside from Gobert. Simmons didn't play last year. John Wall's been declining for years um, and didn't play last year. Chris Paul was on the All-NBA team last year. so He was really good. They He took the Suns at 64 wins, uh, was a huge uh, contributor to that team, led the league in assists last year. His scoring's not significantly down, but his efficiency is significantly down. He was 49% last year. He's at 42.5 this year. Um, his assist numbers are down. He's shooting worse from the free throw line. Um, his defense has declined. I mean, he's... He's got his highest defensive rating of his career. So he's playing the worst defense of his career. Um, He's got one of the lowest assist totals he's had in a long time. Um, The lowest he's had in the Suns for sure. And he's got his career low in points per game. I know he had a career low in points per game last year too, but at least he was very efficient from the field and was um, still peak of his powers from an assist perspective. But... Aside from stats, if you watch the games, he's just not what he used to be. He's not what he was last year. And the Sun, he can't, they can't sustain success when Booker doesn't play. And in years past, they could, um, mostly because Chris Paul. And at this point, they really have to consider what their next move is from a long-term, well, I say long-term, but not short-term point guard perspective, like, He's, don't get me wrong, he's good enough to be a starting point guard. Um, He's not as efficient as he was, obviously, but 13 and 8, that's plenty good for a starting point guard in the NBA. It's probably below average, but um, regardless, there's a lot, you could do a lot worse. Um, But they need to improve the roster somehow, and next year they're probably going to consider uh, different options for that spot, because who knows? Um, if he's going to just continue to get worse and worse. I mean, he's a six-foot player. Um, So (laughs) there's not a lot of six-foot guys that play into their 40s, and he's going to be 38 soon. So, yep, you hate to see it, but Chris Paul might be uh, officially washed. Next, we have biggest surprise for a player. So um, a little different from the biggest leap. These are more players that kind of came out of nowhere, Um, to improve, not necessarily the natural improvement you would expect. Um, But first one being Ball Ball. Uh, He's only 23, so it's not shocking that he's improved, but uh, he's looked really good when he's played. This is really his first time getting real-time minutes. He's averaging 12 and 7, a block and a half a game, Uh, 59% from the field, 39% from three. Um, And he's playing 26 minutes a game. He started 32 out of the 37 games he's played. Uh and he's been really fun to watch, honestly. He's got a lot of good highlight plays, but good for him after having the injury issues, dropping in the draft, and then not being able to correct the rotation in Denver. Next we've got Andrew Nemhart. Uh I mentioned him a little bit when I talked about the Pacers, but he uh was a second round pick uh for Indiana in the past draft went out of Gonzaga. I'm sure they weren't expecting much out of him, but he looks like a real legit NBA rotation guy. Um, better than a lot of rookies that went, even in the lottery. He's about a 9 points per game, 4 assists, 47% from the field, 40% from 3. He hit that game-winner against the Lakers. Um, and he's been really efficient. Just he, I mean, he wasn't even close to this efficient when he played last year at Gonzaga. So I'm sure they weren't expecting him to be this good this early. Um, he is 22 years old, so a little bit older for a rookie. But uh, a nice addition for Indiana. Uh, probably won't be doing a ton of uh, starting just cause they've got Matherin and, um, Halliburton, although he has started 20 games this year, but I imagine the long term plan would be Matherin starting. I think they just like him as the six man role this year. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been solid and a nice surprise for them. And then next honorable mentions, we have Aaron Gordon having probably his best season ever out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> he's not, a, it's not a career high in points. It's a second career high, but the difference, uh, uh, in the career high season, he's, he's 43% from the field, and this year he's 59% from the field. So he is uber-efficient, uh, 37% from three, which uh, is a career high. Um, and then he's been really one of their best defenders as well. Denver hasn't been phenomenal this year, but they put him on their on the opposing team's top perimeter guy pretty frequently. Um, best analytic stats of his career as well, so... Uh, People, there's a little bit of buzz of him making the all-star game. I think there's too many other good candidates for him to truly be considered, but um, I think his name's worth bringing up in that discussion. And then the winner of the biggest surprise player, um, probably no surprise here, that would be Laurie Markkinen. This guy has been awesome this year. I've always liked him as a player. He's a seven footer, but he's been playing like small forward, power forward. Uh, He started as a power forward and then was kind of forced into small forward last year with Cleveland uh, just because they had two bigs already. But he's, I mean, his points are up like 10 points per game from last year. He's at almost 25 a game, almost nine rebounds. He's shooting 52% from the field, 41% from three and 88% from the free throw line, and really the biggest uh, change for him is that he's averaging a career high in two-point attempts, and his efficiency on two-point attempts, I mean he's 53% coming into this year from two in his career, and he's 61% this year, so he's gotten way more efficient uh, within the arc, and he's taking more shots from there, um, he's also got a career high in free throw attempts, um, and just a career high in field goal attempts overall, so and he's shooting the ball, I mean, his highest percentage from three of his career as well. So that also helps for sure, and highest volume from there. So <laughs> um, I did not know he had this much in his game. I mean, he's looking like Dirk out there in some of these games with the ability to shoot, like, off the dribble, off, off one foot. I always pictured him as more of just a stretch-the-floor, spot-up guy, similar to, like, a Gallinari-type player. Um but he is clearly much more than that. He absolutely can go create his own shot, which I did not know he was capable of. Um, and it's it's just funny because the the people gave the Jazz shit for not taking the R.J. Barrett offer. Um, people thought the Knicks offer was better than what uh, Cleveland offered. But I don't know about you. I I mean, is just better than Barrett. Uh, and he's only 25. It's not like he's, like, significantly older. I think he only went, what, like, uh, two drafts before Barrett, but he was also a one-and-done freshman. So props to him for taking the game. I, I mean, I honestly think he probably should be in the All-Star game at this point. Uh, I The game's in Utah, too, so it would be kind of nice for him and for the fans there. But he's earned it 25-9 and nine on 50-40-88. Like, <laughs> that, yeah, he deserves it, and great. just been a great year for him. Up next, we have best bounce back season. So these are guys that either didn't play much last year or struggled last year and have had really nice seasons this year. Uh, First honorable mention being Anthony Davis. Um, He's been really disappointing over the past two years. Uh, After having one of his best seasons uh, in his first year in L.A., uh, he was down to 22 points per game in 2021 and 23 points per game in 2022. Um, just atrocious shooting 26% from three and 19% from three last year. Um, his free throw percentage was even down, uh, efficiency from the field down. His defense wasn't at the level it had been, but this year he had been playing out of his mind, career high, 59% from the field, taking, uh, more or less three pointers than he has the last few years, which is good because he's honestly just not a great three point shooter. But averaging a career high two point percentage um, makes, I mean, not percentage of shots taken there, but um, 62% shooting from two point range. Um, and his free throw percentage is back up to 83% and at a healthy eight attempts per game, which had been down at six the past two seasons. So he's also been really good on defense again, two blocks, two steals. Um, or sorry, it's two and a half. Um, and he looked like the Lakers best player out there. I mean, he was headed for, um, the all-star game. He's injured and should be back soon. So I still think he probably will make it. I think he's leading the, the fan vote right now, but he had a 59 point game, uh, earlier this year. Uh, and yeah, he's just been as good as he's been. And then next is Brooke Lopez for honorable, honorable mentions. He only played 11 game or 13 games last year, started 11. Um, and he's having probably his best year this year that he's had in a while. His best with Milwaukee. I mean, he's 51% from the field, 39% from three, which is a career high. He's 2.6 2. blocks per game. He's actually the betting favorite for Defensive Player of the Year right now. Um, and that with Middleton out and Drew Holiday been up and down, the real reason the Bucks have been as good as they have is because they're defense, not because they're offense. And he's the anchor of the defense. He's one of the main reasons. I mean... I've heard people argue uh, that he might get some looks for the All-Star game, um, and he's doing all this at age 34, so great year from him. Next, we've got Christophs Porzingis. This guy's had a very up-and-down past few seasons in Dallas, but um, I really think he's been Washington's best player this, this season, um, better than Beal, who's having a bit of a done year. It's not like his county stats are significantly better than they had been. He's at 22 a game, which is, um, highest since 2018 when he made, uh, the all-star game, but not significantly higher. He's around 20 a game in Dallas pretty much every year. Um, nine rebounds, 48% from the field, uh, which actually is tied for a career high. Um, not shooting absurd from three, 34%. It's close to his career average, um, But he's having a really good year on defense, um, a block and a half. um, And analytically, he's been uh, a little bit better than he had been in Dallas. So I just like the season he's been having. He's been showing signs of uh, his early Knicks self. And then uh, speaking of the Knicks, uh, the winner of the best bounce back season uh, is Julius Randle. I've always been a Julius Randle skeptic, to put it nicely. Uh, (laughs) His 2021 season, I was very convinced, was a completely anomalous season uh, compared to what he had done earlier in his career. And then last year was really a bad year for him, 41% from the field, 31% from three. Uh, His scoring was down four points. um, Rebounding down, assists down. And really just showed no like desire to do anything on defense after being a good defensive team the year before and he was putting in a lot of effort there so um we also saw stuff of him pout, pouting he was like uh, just telling the fans to like shut up or I don't know he had a lot of weird stuff with the fans last year but he's been really really great this year his uh it, it's almost a i don't want to say carbon copy of his season from two years ago but He's averaging the same amount of points, 24.1 um, difference in rebounds at uh, around 10 a game. His assists are definitely down. He was six um, two years ago, and he's at 3.8 this year. But that's mostly just because Brunson is on the team now, so he's just got the ball in his hands less, which probably is a good thing <laughs> that he's got the ball in his hands left. Um, same field goal percentage as two years ago, 46%. His three-point percentage is still down like 34%, but he's taking he's got a higher volume there. Um, which is interesting that he's got the same field goal percentage, which means he's just shooting better from two-point range. Um, He's also getting to the line uh, 7.1 times per game, which is the highest of his career, shooting 75% there. Um, And, yeah, he's got the highest offensive rating of his entire career, even better than two years ago. Um, His PER is um, just about as high as it's been, the highest true shooting percentage he's had. Uh, since he's been in New York and has had more of an expanded role. Um, So, yeah, he's had a really good year, and I think he's honestly got a case for an all-star appearance as well. I don't really think the Knicks should have two, um, just because there are only a few games over 500, and it's not like either of them are like shoe-ins, locks. But I do think that they both should get a look, and I I would be totally fine with one of them getting in. Um, I don't know which of them Knicks fans would prefer or which one will get more uh, love. But I could see Randall getting in over Brunson just because I feel like there's probably more um, forwards than guards uh, or more forward slots available um, just because six forwards definitely get in and only four guards get in plus the two wild card spots. So who knows though? Um, but Randall certainly played at an all-star level this season and uh, similarly to what he did two years ago. So up next we've got... The most underrated player. So honorable mentions here. um, We've got Alperun uh, Shengun. Averaging 14.5 a game, 9 rebounds, 55% from the field. Um, He's been... I like him a lot. I think he's the only sane player on the Rockets (laughs) Um, that knows how to behave. The rest of them are just... A little uh, out of control a lot of the time. They don't play defense. They all have the rest of their starting lineup has significantly negative net ratings, and Shengun actually has a positive net rating, which is pretty difficult to do when you play with four guys that have very bad net ratings. (laughs) Um, I like him a lot. I think he's gonna be a good player. He's almost like a um, young, very, very, very light version of Jokic. He's a good passer. Um, He can shoot a little bit. He's got good touch. I'm not the most athletic guy, um, but I think he's going to be a solid player for years to come, and he's only 20 years old. So, um, Next is uh, one of my guys, Franz Wagner, um, averaging over 20 a game this year on the Magic, 49% from the field, 35% from three, 86% from the line. Um, everything's Pretty much everything's up from last year for him. Um, his assists are up a bit, points are up by about five, um, points, his efficiency is up this year as well as the volume of the shots he's taking. Um, I have always really liked Franz. Um, his, uh, defense definitely still needs some work, but this guy's good. He's going to be good for a while. He's only 21. Um, he was a player I was watching coming into the season just because he performed well in the, um, Was it the Euro uh, League thing that happened over the summer? I forget what it's called, but Euro Cup or whatever. But he played well over there. Um, And, yeah, he's a guy I like, and I think he could be a really, really uh, high-level role player, low-end fringe all-star moving forward. And then next we have uh, his teammate, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. This is – it's hard to forget. He's only 23 years old. feels like he's been in the league for a while. Um, and he was in the Vucevic trade. But this year he's up to 16 points a game, 9 rebounds, um, 53% from the field. He's shooting 36% from three. Um, so he's, he's stretches the floor uh, as good as most centers do. Um, he's a pretty good rim protector. Uh, he's got uh, 118 offensive rating, which is a career high this year. Um, 63% true shooting, also a career high, but he's a really nice player. He's, uh, he's not going to be a star, probably never going to be an all-star, but, um, he's only 23 years old. Um, and he, I just like his game. He, he can, uh, defend, he can shoot. He's got good touch. He's not going to demand a lot of shots and he arguably might be better than Vucevic at this point already. So, <laughs> um, and then lastly, the winner of the most underrated player award is Demontis Sabonis. I know he's got two all-star appearances, but I just feel like this guy, I hear too many player rankings where, like, he's not even in the top 40, and I just don't get it. I mean, he has brought, in. he's been the best player on multiple Indiana teams that made it to the playoffs. Um, he also has made two all-star teams. He's one of, if not the best rebounder in the league. He's leading the league in rebounds right now at 12.4 a game. He's up to 19 points per game. Um, which is just below his career high. Um, but he's seven assists. I know I said Shangun was uh, Jokic light, but Sabonis is really the true Jokic light. He's super efficient, just like Jokic, 62% from the field. He's shooting 41% from three this year. Um, low volume, but Jokic is a little like that too. And then he's a great passer for his size, elite rebounder, really good finisher around the basket, um, I just like everything about Sabonis. Um, I'm glad he's finally playing center. Um, I hated the him and Turner thing. Like he's just not a power forward in today's NBA. That kind of drove me crazy, but, uh, I, I'm super happy to see him thriving. I think this dude is, should be a lock for the all-star game. Um, and I honestly think he should be an all NBA player because the Kings are a top four seed. He's averaging 19, 12 and seven on like ridiculous efficiency. Um, and ever since he got there, the the whole culture in Sacramento seems to have changed. So, um, props to him. I don't. I know Embiid and Jokic will be ahead of him on the All NBA teams for centers, but I would be hard pressed to find a guy more deserving than uh, Sabonis for that third center spot. Maybe Anthony Davis if he comes back, but I know he's plays power forward a lot as well, so he might be a forward. Um, on the All-NBA team, but regardless, he deserves consideration. I think he's a lock for the All-Star team, Um, and he's just having a great year, and he's been overlooked for the past few years, in my opinion, as well. Up next, we have most disappointing season thus far. So for honorable mentions, I'm going to start with Jordan Poole. I know that he is averaging a career-high in points, Um, but he's also shooting a career low uh, from the field aside from his rookie season. Uh, But his rookie season, he was 33%, so obviously be pretty tough to be below that. He's also shooting a career low from three-point percentage aside from his rookie year and also shooting a career low from the free-throw line aside from his rookie year. His assists are up, uh, but he has been – A pretty negative play overall. If you look at the advanced stats, he's been much worse than the 21 points per game would show. He is a 104 offensive rating and 117 defensive rating. A negative 13 net rating is very bad, um, and he's really a huge reason why their bench has been so bad and probably why they've been so bad on the road too. He's also had a number of really costly turnovers late in games. Um... And, yeah, he's just kind of shot him out of games. He doesn't play – he's he's having his by far worst defensive season and by far his worst offensive season, at least from an efficiency standpoint. The volume's there, but that's just because he is averaging a career high in attempts. So, um, and, just, and given that they just paid him a lot, I think that that matters. They're paying him, what, 32 mil? Like he's not playing like a 32 mil uh, player right now. Next, we have R.J. Barrett. I swear to God, every season I come in and I'm like doing my picks, and I'm like, "Ooh, pick R.J. Barrett is most improved." And I did one year. I didn't make the same mistake this year. Did not get lured into it, and I'm glad I didn't because he is far from the <laughs> most improved player. Uh, it just feels like he. I'm not saying he's like worse than last year. He just like every year, you expect him to take a little leap, and he just doesn't take it. He's like the same player the last three years, basically. Um, he's under forty three percent from the field, thirty three percent from three. Um, he just doesn't have very good shot selection. He's not efficient in the inside the arc. I think I saw some stats. He's like one of the worst finishers around the rim in the whole league. Um, he had that one year reach out 40% from three. That is proving to be anomalous. His other three years, he's at 32, 34, and 33. So he's a below average three-point shooter. He doesn't finish around the rim very well. Um, he's, he's shown flashes on defense, but not having a good defensive season this year. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's the third best player in the Knicks. I think a lot of people kind of wanted him to be the best player. Um, but he's even showing that as the third best player he's still not really much more than a uh, like the team is not much more than a fringe playoff team so a little disappointed with RJ at this point next we have Scotty Barnes for honorable mention Um, he's been quite disappointing but I didn't want to make him my pick just because it's his second year he's only 21 like you got to let Cut him a little bit of slack in, in, in that standpoint. But he's down across the board. His f- field goal percentage is down 5%. Three-point percentage down a percent or two. Um, points are down like half a point. Even though his field goal attempts are up from last year, his three-point attempts are up from last year. Assists are up a little bit, but rebounds are down. And he's also been a lot worse on defense than he was last year. Last year he was a plus-five net rating. This year he's a minus-five. Um, so he just hasn't been the same player. I think if you watch the games, it's pretty obvious too, um, but could just be a sophomore slump. I'm not out on Scotty Barnes, Barnes by any mean. Um, he was very deserving of Rookie of the Year last year, and I still think he'll be a good player, but um, I, I don't think my opinion changed on him too much because I think people were too high on him last year, and now they might be too low on him, so I've always stayed a little bit in between. I think he's an elite role-player type guy, I think he could make an all-star game or two, but I don't see him as this perennial all-star guy by any means. But uh, with that being said, expected maybe a little bit more out of him this year, Uh, but didn't put him on here. But similarly with Mobley, uh, Mobley hasn't gotten worse, but he's just like, feels like he's about the same as last year. So Moving to one of Barnes's teammates for the winner of most disappointing season, and that would be Fred Van Vliet. Uh Van Vliet made the all-star team last year, um, and he's following it up this year with a career low in field goal percentage at below 38%. He's 37.6%. That's excluding his rookie year when he played eight minutes per game, so I'm excluding that on these. A career low in three-point percentage, below 33%. Um, And his uh, points per game are the lowest they've been since his first year as a full-time starter, Uh, His steals are down. His assists are slightly down. Um, Last year, he was a plus four net rating. This year, he is a minus one. His defense has gotten worse. Offense has gotten worse. Um, And there's... I mean, it makes sense the Raptors have underperformed given that I've got two of their guys uh, considered for this list and one of them as the uh, winner of this superlative. But um, yeah, I just haven't been impressed with him. He's... One of the least, probably the least efficient high volume player in the league right now. I mean, under 38% and he's taking 16 shots. I don't think there's anybody with a lower field goal percentage taking that many shots. Um, And even his three point, I mean, he's taking nine attempts and only making 32.8. So I, he's always been inefficient. Don't get me wrong. He's 40% for his career. Um, But a lot of that had to do with the fact that he takes more, more threes than twos Um but his three point percentage is way down, and his two point percentage is um, hovering around the same. But regardless, he has just not been as good. Like I feel like that All Star game last year is gonna look kind of like, oh my god, how did Fred movely make an All Star game <laughs> type thing? Um, he's a good player, but I I don't know, not has not lived up to uh, All Star status. Up next, we have best in season turnaround. So. Um, I know I already did like best uh, come bounce back season, but that was from last season and this season. This is the best turnaround uh, within this season. So honorable mentions. Um, first one is Zach Levine. He started off the year very bad. Um, the month of November shot below 40%, below 32% from three. Um, was a minus nine in the month. Um, and it wasn't very good in October, but I know it was small sample size. But uh, first 15 Except 20 games of the year, he was bad. Uh, the last 20, though, he's been uh, quite good, over 50% the last uh, two months, so December and January, that being um, f- well over 40% from three in that span. Um, and his offense uh, has just been much better overall. He's averaging 30 points per game in January, 25% in December. So his so overall stats actually actually pretty good um, because the sample there has been decent, but he's been playing a lot better as of late after a pretty bad start. Um, next we got Kawhi Leonard this is kind of an obvious one I mean he was um, barely playing (laughs) to start the year in October November he played a combined five games and was um, like at 10 points per game or something Um, in December though uh, he played a lot better played a lot more played 11 games 21 points a game seven uh, rebounds Uh, and then January's been uh, much better even he's been um 23 points per game with 138 offensive rating um, shooting 48 percent 46 percent from three he was really struggling from three um, earlier in the year but he's playing a lot better now um, and it makes sense he just needed some time to ramp up but he's actually playing more regularly as well the next one is Kyrie Uh, it's not that Kyrie was playing poorly earlier in the year but obviously we know uh, all the stuff that went on with him so he's actually um, had a nice little turnaround here there was questions if he was even going to play again for the Nets, and not only has he played again for the Nets, but he's played very well for the Nets, and the Nets have played very well as a team. Um, and then the winner of this award definitely has to go to Russell Westbrook. I know he's not having a like some phenomenal year, don't get me wrong, um, but he is having a respectable year, I will say. <laughs> um, it's very respectable that he was able to accept coming off the bench and like there was legitimately talks that he might never play again that if he uh, couldn't change his style of play or accept a lesser role that like no team would want to sign him and I was kind of on board with that I don't know who would want to sign him he's gonna get like the me- uh, mellow treatment where you're just suddenly out of the league um, but I just I'll pull up these as a starter he was 10 points per game and uh, 29% from the field, 8% from three, <laughs> eight. 78 offensive rating and 102 defensive rating. Actually quite good defensive rating, but the offense was awful. <laughs> um, and then uh, since he has been coming off the bench, he's at 16 points per game. His assists have doubled, uh, which is pretty crazy actually. He was four assists, now he's eight assists. Um, his usage has actually gone up because he's been able to run more of the second unit. Um, but he's 42% from the field now, 30% from three. 30 is obviously not good, but like, he's not a good shooter, so that that is what it is. His offensive rating is still not very good, 102. But I just wanted to call out that he went from almost out of the league, completely atrocious, should not see the floor, to he's currently the Vegas favorite for six-man of the year, which would be a pretty cool thing for him to do. And... Um, I know we said for years he needs to accept a lesser role, and he's finally doing it, so I want to give the guy his props there. And the last superlative we will be handing out is the Best Rookie Award. So uh, honorable mention is going to start with Jaden Ivey. He has not had the most efficient season, um, under 42% from the field, 34% from three. But 15 points a game, four assists, four rebounds. He started all but one game for the Pistons this year, playing just under 30 minutes. Um, you can't really trust... I will say that uh, rating stats and analytics should just be thrown out the window for rookies. There's been many examples of very bad ones that um, that ended up turning a really good player. Darius Carlin's a good example. He was completely awful analytically his first two years, honestly, and then completely turned it around. So... I'm not going to read too much into any of those stuff. I'm sure all the rookies are going to have bad stuff there. But Ivy's shown a lot of flashes, really all you could ask for. Um, love his explosiveness getting to the basket, and he's played uh, pretty well for the Pistons. He's one of their top go-to guys. So, um, Next, want to talk about Benedict Matherin, the sixth overall pick of the draft. Um, he's at 17 points per game. Um, he's definitely fallen off a little bit from his start. Um For example, in uh, December, he shot 39% from the field after shooting well above 40 in October, November. Um, But, you know, he's picked it back up in January so far. In five games, he's back at 45%. But his three-point shooting's really fallen off. Um, He's in the uh, 20s percentage-wise in December and January after being in the 40s in October, November. Um, But again, uh, he's a rookie. You're going to have some ups ups and downs. He's shown more than the types of flashes that you would expect or want to see um, out of a rookie. And again, he's only 20 years old, so uh, I think that's going to be a really good pick for them in the long run. Uh, Last honorable mention, and this might not be someone you expect. I know there were other options like Keegan Murray, but I want to call out Shaden Sharp. I really like what I've seen out of him. Um, He's on a lot of these other teams are or a lot of these other guys are on teams that are very young. Um, and so they're just kind of getting playing time because they're just going to throw their guys out there. Sharp is not. He's playing on a, I mean, the Blazers are not a contender, but they've got a lot of veterans and proven guys that he's going to have to try to get minutes over. Um, but it, he's played 39 games, 19 a game, averaging eight points, um, but 48% from the field, 36% from three. Um Again, Analakes are not going to be good. But if you watched him, you can kind of just see that he he just looks good. He can He's a shot maker. He can uh, make th- three-pointers, mid-range shots. And then he's also just as athletic as they come, super high flyer. Um, and he's only 19. So not to mention he didn't even play in college. It's been like years since he played, and he still is like looking very good. So I have very high uh, hopes for Sharp. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to take some time. I mean, two, three years from now, he's still going to be 21, 22. Some rookies that are in the league right now that are that age. So I think he could turn into an all-star type player, and I really like what I've seen out of Sharp so far. And then lastly, this is very, very obvious, but the best rookie goes to Paolo Bancaro. If you've listened to any draft-related um, content on this podcast for me, you would know that I am a Paolo Stan. Uh, <laughs> I've been on the uh, bandwagon since before uh, the draft happened, um, and I think he's just going to be a superstar. I mean, he's averaging 21 a game, seven rebounds, four assists, 44% from the field, not phenomenal, but also not not terrible for a rookie, especially at his volume, 16 shot attempts per game. He's getting the line eight times per game, which is really impressive for a rookie. And he shoots 76% from there. So um, his three-point shooting, 31%, not phenomenal, but that was never really like a big strength of his, though he can make them. Um, That's on four attempts per game, so it's not like he's not shooting them. Um, Again, analytics aren't great, but they just never are as a rookie. It's pretty rare. Um, Even guys like Luca, who had great rookie seasons, still were pretty bad analytically their first year. Um, But Paolo's just been balling out, man. I mean... He's had um a couple thirty point games already at this point, um, and he just looks the part. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what else to say. He's scoring twenty, what seems like every single night, and I, I just his body as well. Like to be honest, I would take him over a guy like Mobley. I would take him over a guy like Cade. Like people that players that uh other people are really high on. Um I just think he's got an insane amount of potential and he's got the the smoothness of his game, his body type, he's unselfish. He can get his own shot, he gets to the free throw line. I mean, there are guys who I've been begging DeAndre Ayton to get freaking 5 uh free throw attempts <laughs> per game uh in his whole career ever. He's never even had 3 and Paolo's got 8. So it's just, yeah, that's not something that you should take lightly. Paolo's been great, um, and he's going to be a runaway rookie of the year this year. That's going to do it for part two of this episode, that being the NBA midseason superlatives for the 2022-2023 season. Given that we are right about at the midway point, I'm probably going to drop uh, another episode in the next week or so pertaining to Uh, team tiers and who are the real contenders and potentially pretenders uh, for this season Um, and then after that uh, i know the all-star game is uh, approaching so i'll definitely do my own all-star selections and who i think should make it as well as a reaction to uh, the teams when they do actually officially drop so uh, thanks so much again for listening and i'll talk to you soon